Look, Neil didn't know where his good recording gear was, uh, and we just went with it. Audio quality on his stuff is not great. Uh, If you're a stickler for that sort of thing, uh, best to just delete this episode and move on. This, this, this is a Tape Deck Podcast. Welcome to another special episode of Lost Light Pod. Uh, today we've got Transformers: Dark of the Moon. Um, so joining me as always is Caleb, uh, but we've got our special guest, Transformers movie aficionado. <laughs> we've got Neil Neil on the line as well. Hello. Yeah. I, I, before we get to before we get to this movie, Neil, um, can, can we talk a little bit about uh, a Breath of the Wild? Yes, yeah, I've been playing. A ton. I don't know. I've, I've been playing a ton of Breath of the Wild lately. I don't know what it was. I just picked it back up a couple of weeks ago, and I've just been um, going back through it and trying to complete it. Because the first time, I kind of, I think it was one of those things where I, I couldn't play it for a couple of weeks, and then I fell off a little bit. I didn't quite remember what was going on when I got back to it. And then uh, I kind of lost mm-hmm. the thread, but this time I've just been playing it. Yeah. I've been playing it pretty intensively for like last week or so. So it's going, yeah, it's going all right. I'm not, I don't think I'm very good at it, but like, I think if, <laughs> if it gave you at the end, like, you know, number of times you've just died because you fell off a cliff or, or uh, accidentally didn't really pay attention to how much stamina you had when you were trying to glide or something. I think I would, I would be in quite a high percentage, but I'm having, I'm having a good time. I'm enjoying it. So you know, it's good. Have you, uh, but yeah, I, have you, have you already completed it? Am I way behind you? I, I have started it twice. Um, the first time I had no clue what I was doing. Um, and then, so when I played it the second time, I was like, oh wait, no, you get, you get like a winter jacket really early mm. if you do this thing. Uh, and that really, it was a game changer. So, uh, but yeah, I have, still haven't completed it the second time, but I've gotten further, you know, actually kind of following the hints that it's, they give uh, you. I, I haven't, no, I say I'm not, I'm nowhere near completing it. I've freed, I've freed two divine beasts and I've got the master sword, which is, so I'm on track. I'm doing okay, but I'm not, okay. uh, yeah, but there's still things like, uh, where, yeah, where you get to it and it's like, oh, I've got to learn how to capture a horse now and I've got to learn how to cook. <laughs> I've got to, I mean, it wasn't enough to cook in real life. I've got to learn how to cook in the game. It's, um, it's just, um, it's very overwhelming. There's a lot, there's a lot going on. So I'm, I'm enjoying it, but it is, it is, it is very intense. I think my problem is with those, with those sorts of games is they are so, when they give you so much choice, I have this problem with like Skyrim. I had it with the Witcher uh-huh. three. When they give you all that choice, I find it overwhelming. I don't know quite, I don't want to pursue like the main quest because I feel like, but I don't want to miss out on all this extra stuff. And then yeah, it, so I end up not doing anything, which I don't think is what the, the design is intended. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. You, you end up in a completely different uh, situation going, going through things in the incorrect. Now, not that there's an order, but there's definitely kind of an expectation that, yeah, you've got a certain level of experience and mm. um some some items or whatever well that's i mean i think you know presumably you can find people on 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 the internet doing this but i think in breath of the wild there's theoretically nothing stopping you from you know as soon as you get off that main island just heading right to the castle and (laughs) ganondorf right away you're probably not going to do well i'm sure some people have completed it at that stage but probably not going to do very well but theoretically you could you could do it so it's uh so it's interesting okay but i didn't mean uh, to leave you completely out of this conversation, but I know yeah, I'm here, guys. Uh, good, to, good to be here. <laughs> I know you. You had about uh, what, like uh, 15 minutes of uh, Breath of the Wild on my Switch, like four or five years ago. So. Oh yeah, <laughs> and I'm sure that like that stuck in the memory. That's probably something we could. It's, we it's could like it's that. probably like my unicorn now. Like that's that's the the game that will always elude me. No, um, I haven't played any Zelda games in forever, probably since Nintendo 64. 
So other than the 15 minutes of, uh, of Breath of the Wild <laughs> with Jim. Well, I don't, I hardly, I'm not much of a gamer, certainly compared to some people we know. So the, the, the switch is kind of perfect for me where you can just get like a big game like Zelda, like five or six times a year and like well, four or five times a year and play that. And, uh, that suits me a bit better than, you know, yeah. when you call yeah. you coming out every month and all that kind of thing. But, uh, but yeah, but no. I've been playing. We, we, we're helping some family move and uh, we're given a like two crates of uh, like PlayStation two and PlayStation games. Oh and, wow. Um, there's only like three or four of them that, that caught my interest. Uh, one of them being garage, um, rock or guitar hero. Sorry. I can't want to say rock man. Um, mm. So we, we played a bunch of uh, guitar hero and then uh, I've been playing God of war too. So, <sighs> Love, love that game. So, so you had like all the peripherals and all the, or the like electronic guitar doodad to hook up to play. Yeah, it came with <sighs> came with the the guitar and the um the wireless guitar. So it's got a little plug in. So, um, and then yeah, High a class. bunch of games. Uh, like I said, there's there's only like there's like a 007 game, the guitar or the Guitar Hero, God of War, and there's a uh, Batman Begins game. Those are the only ones that really. The rest of them are like Need for Speed and stuff, and I don't really play racing games. So, mm. I was going to say that could be your follow up podcast. Could be just you working through all the games in the box, like <laughs> one episode per yeah. game. Yeah. There's a bunch of uh, there's uh, Final Fantasy VII in there for PlayStation One. I haven't tried to see if it'll work mm. on my PlayStation oh, Two. I've never played that, but everyone says that's like one of the all-time great games. I've never really played any Final Fantasy. That's probably my what you were saying about like Zelda. I think I've maybe played like 15 minutes of one or two Final Fantasies and then I've n- never really I, I never really played. I I watched my little brother play. He mm-hmm. he was all into Final Fantasy and I, I I could sit there and watch him just play and play and play for for, you know, an afternoon or whatever, but he would always try to get me to play and I would never get very far. Because I just didn't have yeah. the attention span for for that kind of stuff. Yeah, uh, that was uh, pretty close to my experience. I had friends who loved to play it, and you know, grind, grind, grind. I was like, okay, cool. But like, when you fight somebody interesting and there's like a plot point, let me know. I want to come watch that part. <laughs> like when you're fighting slimes or whatever, ah, you go do that on your own time. Yeah, that, I think that's what got me was the constantly getting attacked every like five steps you would take and then have to fight these like meaningless guys. I would just be like, man, where do I need to go? What, what puzzle do I need to solve <laughs> to get to the boss and then beat him? It's like when I tried to play the new like Pokemon game and that's very similar. There's just these things where you're just kind of like, yeah, it's fun. And I, I presumably when I was little, I just, I did just, I was able to just grind away and like relevel my Pokemon up, but it's just the amount of just like walking around in like grass waiting for someone to attack you. <laughs> <laughs> so you can like get those couple of experience points, just doing that over and over and over again, so you can actually get on with the story. It's uh, it, it's difficult, it's difficult to do. But uh, so yeah, may, maybe maybe I shouldn't jump at the chance to play Final Fantasy. But uh, but uh, I, yeah, if it ever shows up on Switch, I might I might. Uh, well, I think well, I think it is on Switch. I should grab the Switch version at some point and see if it <laughs> see if it works for me. But we'll but we'll see. I, I think talking about old games and and Zelda and stuff. I think Ocarina of Time. It was like mm-hmm. the first game mm-hmm. that me and my dad mm-hmm. and my brother, we bought like the like the booklet, the walkthrough book, to um to try to do everything, get all the hearts, everything. Um, and once again, I ended it, it more ended up I was just watching those two play, uh, and try to beat it. But that was good times. That was good. I yeah, I, I remember that because that came out when I was I was like very young. The Nintendo was the Nintendo sixty four was like my first console, and I didn't get another one until I got an Xbox three sixty. Uh, and I remember just like yeah, like the the scale of um, of Ocarina of Time, uh, I just thought was amazing, and like the graphics I thought were incredible. And I would I'd never if they re released it onto the Switch, I don't think I'd ever want to go back and play it and you know see that these these thought things that I thought were amazing graphics are just all these like kind of boxy characters and like <laughs> you know you go in the open world and there's like fogs so you can't see anything more than like ten feet in front of your character. It's probably like that's probably what it is in like in fact, but in my head it's like it was this like amazing sort of this amazing thing that's never been equaled. So I think it's I think best yeah best to leave the memories alone on that one. I suspect, but it was yeah an incredible incredible game. Yeah. All right. Um, so yeah. So uh, we uh, have have assembled here today 
to talk about Transformers Dark of the Moon, the third movie uh, in the Michael Bay Transformers-verse. Uh, kind of coming coming hot off the, I don't know how hot it was, but after the sequel that uh, not many people liked, um, spoilers, mm. I, I watched a lot of the behind-the-scenes stuff. And they, uh, they're pretty explicit in stating that they, like everybody involved with the second movie didn't like it, which is weird. <laughs> and like, they felt like this third movie was going to be their redemption. <laughs> you know, the second one, there was like a, a writer's strike uh, they were blaming production problems uh, you know, had all these reasons for why things didn't go off, but they're like, no. The third one? You're going to knock this out of the ballpark. Mm. It's so funny because you would think, like, if that was happening now, if there was a, a property, the first movie came out and was like a big hit, and the second movie came out and was kind of a stinker, but st- still, I, I believe it still made money, but like, oh, it yeah. wasn't looked upon fondly. They wouldn't let the same director direct the third one. I feel like I feel like for some there would be a release statement saying that 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 director isn't re, isn't directing this one. You know, for whatever reason he doesn't. I don't think they would come out and say that they didn't want him to do it. But either he didn't quote quotey fingers didn't want to do it, or you know they were going in a different direction. It's crazy they still let Michael Bay do it. I don't think that would happen now. No, maybe not. I suppose it's because it just it just made so much money, didn't it? So it's probably just the. Uh... Oh, yeah. They don't mind so much that it maybe wasn't terribly good because, you know, they got all the, I think, made like, I don't know, hundreds of millions of dollars. But, yeah, you're right. They just couldn't be bothered to fire him because they were too busy counting the money from the, the second one. <laughs> That's the, they lost track of time. Oh, man, we were supposed to fire Michael, but I was counting these hundreds. So, dang, we just got to let Michael go. It's like, yeah, if you think about those, those the, the, the Spider-Man movies, like, I think the second... Andrew Garfield Spider-Man movie. I think it did okay in terms of like money, I think, but then it wasn't very, but then because it wasn't necessarily um, terribly well regarded, they obviously kind of junked that guy and they got him in to uh, the MCU and stuff. So yeah, I suppose you, you can see examples of that happening and it feels, so yeah, you're probably right. I think they would do something different now. I think maybe Michael Bay wouldn't come back for, the, for this one. Has Michael Bay directed all of them? Did he direct Bumblebee? I, I don't think he did Bumblebee. I think he's done all the others, though. Yeah. Hmm. So that's the Bayverse. You can't you can't separate uh, this level of explosions and giant robots from Michael Bay lens flares. Ah, <laughs> uh, so yes, yeah, so this movie. Um, you know, we we take a bit of a a departure from the previous ones. We leave Michael Fox, Mike, not Michael Fox. Uh, What's her name? Me- uh, Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Megan Fox. Okay, see, I'm thinking Bonds, about Michael yeah. Bay. Megan Fox. Uh, she's she has broken up with Sam. Mm-hmm. Wait, am I doing a am I doing a recap right now? Jim, get in there. Get in there, Jim. <laughs> I love it. <laughs> Sam Witwicky, uh, hero to the masses. Uh, has another uh, girlfriend who is way out of his league. Um, nobody explains. His parents do make a joke about it. Um, he's he's angry. He can't get to work with the Transformers. He has a nice uh, degree from an Ivy College, but he can't do anything with it. Um, his uh, his girlfriend has a fancy job. Has a fancy car. He is out of control jealous. And that's these are the moments that we get of uh, Shia LaBeouf. The like comedic freakouts are usually uh, because he has realized that he's way out of his league. Way out of his league. He is. <laughs> okay, keep going, Jim. We'll get back to that. <laughs> uh, so, yeah, he's, uh, you know, he's feeling stressed. He needs to connect with uh, the Transformers again. Um, Transformers are figuring out uh, that uh, Sentinel Prime uh, is on the moon uh, with 
some uh, matter transporter device. Um, we revive Sentinel Prime, and you know that's that's when everything turns turns for the worse. Oh, and uh, Megatron is in the African desert for some reason, uh, but he looks like a total badass. And it is the, the, the coolest Megatron we've ever seen uh, in, in the movies. Yeah, it was good. It was good. Yeah, good Megatron. Bravo, Jim. You... <laughs> yeah, all right. So, same with Wiki. What does this dude have going for him that he can just <laughs> land some of the most beautiful women? I mean, is he... I, I don't know. I shouldn't say it. Well, yeah, his his mom makes the joke, uh, you know, about uh, what what physically he might have going on. Yeah, has he just got a hammer down there? <laughs> <laughs> but he's got to be so because he's not got like he's you know I mean Shy is not like the worst looking guy, but he's got like a very he's got a very strange personality. His Sam, like, yeah, he he's just super gets angry. He's very neurotic. He doesn't seem to have much of a sense of humor. He's just, I don't know quite what. And let, let's be real. Sam Wiki comes with a lot of baggage. I mean, he's got oh, a whole yeah. alien alien race of baggage with him. So, like, what what has he got going on? He doesn't have a job. <laughs> I mean, I guess, yeah, I mean, he's got a nice family. His, his, his parents are awesome. I guess if, if you can get the girl to meet your parents. <laughs> I mean, they're, they're awesome, but... Uh. I mean, how many dates? How many dates in do you think you talk about the fact your car is a robot alien and uh, that your friends are all robots and things? Do you think? Do you mention that on the first date? Do you wait until you've established a relationship? I don't know. It's because it's quite a thing to drop on somebody. Yeah, you just got to follow your heart with that one. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <sighs> one of the first thing, first things that they uh, they get to in this this movie is that there's a whole lot of stuff about around the moon. Obviously the moon is in the title. We've got a whole moon landing sequence. Uh, I immediately had to go to the Wikipedia uh, for the revenge of the fallen because I thought that the fallen was on the moon. Am I just an idiot for thinking that? I think this, it's the second <laughs> I don't think so. I, I, I think I knew The Fallen wasn't on the moon, but there's definitely a lot of similarities in terms of just, you know, here comes another thing from space. It's it's not, yeah, it's not terribly different. I mean, I thought The Fallen was on the moon, but I guess he could have been on just a moon of yeah. Mars or something, you know, like he could have been on a moon, not the moon. He so he was actually supposed to be on his spaceship that was potentially inside our solar system, but not guaranteed. To, and it was like, okay, I did not take away that at all from the previous movie, but at the very <laughs> least, it helped me to not be like super confused why uh, Megatron and the Fallen were hanging out on the moon and had never figured out that there was this thing here. Well, uh, I, okay, I'll go ahead and get into it. Um, one thing I I love about this movie is I, I do love like uh, the Sentinel Prime stuff, the mm-hmm. Optimus's mm-hmm. mentor um, that was going to come back and and everything was going to be be okay. And then, oh, you know, by the way, he's he's got this secret deal with the the Decepticons. So w- when when they revive him and he he turns on Ironhide. That was a that was a cool moment. I mean, it was sad oh, yeah. to me because Ironhide's mm-hmm. one of my favorites, but that that was really cool. Um, the rest of the movie is is just kind of okay, but I love that that plot point and and everything. So yeah, having having somebody who uh yeah is this the first time we've had a this level of double crosses? Feels like this is a heavy double cross film. Helps to break some monotony. There were a lot of, I think there were a lot of double crosses. I think there was the like, hints of double crosses in the previous films. I think like they hinted that like Starscream was going to double cross Megatron and stuff, but I don't think they actually did do that at any point. So yeah, it, mm-hmm. it, it's it's a little bit more. It feels like in Michael Bay's like own Michael Bayish way, he's trying to do a character-driven movie. Like he's trying to, you know, let's get into yeah. these like kind of 
character dynamics and how that drive the story. And, uh, you know, it's, it, it, it's arguable how well it works, but he's, you know, I give him points for, for at least trying to do something different. He, he definitely is trying to do like some world build building and like pulling from transformers lore with the fallen being one of the, the original 13 primes. And that now, you know, during the, the big war on Cybertron, um, there was actually another leader instead of Prime who was... So it, it's, he's like he's trying to pull from... But then it's just mm-hmm. like he hears a cool little, like, sto- like a little... Oh, there was a 13 <laughs> Primes and one of them went bad. Okay, I can do something with that. But he doesn't really do anything with that. That's just kind of like the backdrop of it, you know? But it, mm, it, yeah. a, it's a cool idea. It's just not fleshed out enough, I guess is what I'm trying to say. Never, never say that Michael Bay ever let world building get in the way of explosions. Right. <laughs> oh man. And, uh, and Neil, uh, first, first Transformers movie, you know, we did talk a little bit about the fact that, uh, the United States geography uh, does not match uh, with the Transformers world. Mm. This one again, just absolutely crushed me. We've got DC, a lot of stuff happening in DC. We got uh, a bunch of stuff happening at some NASA launch situation, which I assume is supposed to be Florida. But I don't know if they ever said that. Mm. Um, we got a whole bunch of stuff happening in Chicago. Oh, yeah. A bunch of stuff um, happening in Chicago. There was like one throwaway line uh, when they were uh, at NASA and they were like, oh, Chicago. Like, that's like a. 17 hour drive or something mm. they're like okay let's go I'm going you sure she's nothing but try to help me not give me there 15 hours you're not going alone then they're they're there it was like <sighs> and then the oh my good the, the part that kills me is so a rich guy right rich car collector guy um he are you talking about her boss? Yeah, her yeah. boss. From uh, Grey's Anatomy. Mc- McDreamy, exactly, yes. I believe. Yeah, I forget which <laughs> which one he was. But he McDreamy, I think, is his uh is who he is. So the uh the the place where he's supposed to like have his office or whatever is uh an art museum in Milwaukee. It's like a very specific structure. You know, it's designed to look like a boat. Um mm. And so they've got that, and they they use a bunch of it for internal shots as well. And then they just kind of throw away to some other random like car museum um, in like Detroit or something. <laughs> it's very weird, uh, partially because I I know that that museum to see it kind of being I don't, don't want to say abused, but definitely <laughs> like misappropriated. For, yeah, uh, yeah, yeah, yeah. It feels like it was misappropriated. It's you know it's interesting because obviously England doesn't always get terribly well represented in American movies. It's uh, it's sort of like often portrayed that like there's this just big blob called England oh, and yeah. everyone in England talks and acts basically the same, which is not quite true. Yeah, and everybody just goes to London for everything. Yes, yes, yeah. which yeah, exactly. Where it's like you know, here's someone from Liverpool, and they're like, "You're our governor," and it's like, "Well, that's not that's not what Liverpool people sound like." <laughs> um, so I really? suppose this is kind of the no, that's uh, that's my um, that's my insight to anyone who's listening to this to this podcast. <laughs> oh, I'm I'm sitting at attention because me and Jim had a conversation about England, Great Britain, um, all that. I. I will try and I will try and avoid doing, uh, you know, I won't I won't necessarily do I can't go city by city and do my version of their accents because I feel that would actually <laughs> make the situation worse. But um, but I suppose that I was going to say my, my equivalent would be like the fact that I think in England and in, in, in the UK as a whole, uh, it's such a small country that if you were to drive for 17 hours, if you just stop at one end, end of the country and drive for 17 hours, you'd end up in like France. You'd be in a completely different mm-hmm. part of Europe. So. That stuff kind of goes past me a little bit, but when you point it out, it's like, yeah, of course, those cities are really far apart. Like you can't just <laughs> you can't just pop over, and it's like, yeah, you can't just take a helicopter. It's it's not going to help. But there's the bit where, like, I think um, John Turturro and and Shia find out from these Russian these Russian guys that the the, the the Russian cosmonauts they see the things that are on the moon, 
and they drive to sort of warn people about Sentinel Prime and they're like on the phone going, oh, this is urgent. And then the next scene, they're just there. And it's like, was that just, was that just happening down the road? Was that supposed to be, <laughs> what was, what was the situation there? It is, it is a bit hard to get your head around the geography of it, I would say. No, don't, don't let, don't let geography, uh, don't let world building, don't <laughs> let these things get in the way of explosions. This is what um, we know. There were, and there were, a, there were a lot of explosions in this film. Even by the standards of these films, there were a lot of explosions. Oh, yeah. There's a lot of explosions. Um, speaking of, of an explosion, how dumb is the U.S. government in this film? <laughs> <laughs> like, all right, we, we need you aliens, this, this alien life form that towers over us to, to get off our planet. But you're going to load yourself in that rocket, right, guys? Nobody's going to come behind and check you to make sure you're in that rocket. We're just going to trust that you're going to load yourself in that rocket and <laughs> and rid yourself of us. Uh, like, what? No, nobody verified that they got on that. They're, they're transformers. <laughs> you're not kicking them off. They, they could transform into the rocket and then, you know, who knows? We, you don't know what they can do. Those guys were just buffoons. <sighs> No one's just going to go and open the door of the of the rocket and just oh yeah they're in there and just close it up. It would have just taken like <laughs> two seconds, someone to walk up on on the gantry or whatever and just pop the door open. You can't have any like loading trucks up against that because what if they just transform into that loading truck and then I mean they can they can just scan uh, Bumblebee can scan something and become like like that. Yeah, that was the that whole uh, boarding the rocket and being on a rocket that's supposed to leave the planet. Like, that was the weakest, because this movie is full of trying to make you think something's happening, and then something else is happening. Mm. And they, so, like, okay, so, really, they put the Autobots on the rocket. Okay, great. There's no, like, internal shots of them sitting in seats in this rocket or anything. Uh, And then it blows up, and you're like, okay, so clearly they're not on the rocket. (laughs) <laughs> like it's like otherwise the movie's over, so you know uh, that okay. Like just just please, Michael Bay, fast forward to the part where you explain uh, why they didn't blow up, and we'll we'll we'll, we'll get to the next explosion now. <laughs> I mean, you could you could have just you could have just had like the Decepticons get wind of where they were and blow up that building that they were in, and then oh man, all the Transformers are dead. We're on our own, and mm. then and then them being them getting out would have been a better like. Haha, we got out of there. Then, yeah, we loaded ourselves on this rocket, but we didn't really load ourselves on this rocket. <laughs> Is that something that uh, Shia, Shia LaBeouf uh, co wrote? So he was like, I need scenes where I can cry. I need scenes where I can really show my acting chops. So I want to be able to cry because after they have to get on the ship. I need to be able to cry when I think they've all died. I got to yell Optimus at some point or Bumblebee. <laughs> I, I really like the scene in the last movie where I got to be sad that Optimus died. Can we do that again? Yeah. <laughs> Can we just do the same scene a second time? Because it was good. Oh. It's another it's another example of these movies having like quite a bizarrely good like cast when you uh, when you like actually go through it. Like I, mm-hmm. I guess it's just people who just want to maybe make a little bit of money, like Frances McDormand was looking at buying a house or something and she needed like a bit of a deposit, but it's like <laughs> The cast they get in these movies is is just so good. Everyone in it is is just actors who you've seen in other things, and you think, oh, those are great. And uh, yeah, it's 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 just then they just have them doing the strangest things. Like John Malkovich shows up playing this weird permatant <laughs> guy with like bright white teeth, and it's like this movie's like two hours and forty minutes long, and it's like it's because there's just all these bizarre scenes where like it's not enough for you know. Sam to have like a, a job he doesn't like. It's like he's got to have a job working for this this ghoul with his bizarre his bizarre <laughs> teeth, and it's just oh, it's such a such a weird a weird decision. But um, but no, I I did. Uh, but you know, I think everyone was good again. Everyone's as good as you can be in a movie where you you know playing against robots, and you've got to be sad that you know the robots blew up and stuff. It's I think they did, they did a good job. <laughs> Um, I, I just go ahead and get the last thing off my list real quick. What was, um, what was her boss's, uh, McDreamy's plan? Was he going to be, did he expect to become a transformer? Is that what I got? That he, 
It's like the people that are like in a vampire movie that are like going for the vampires, the, yeah. the humans that are helping the vampires. But you, you could become a vampire. What was his plan? Mm. I think he was just hoping that uh, he could uh, be like a a human who was in that charge. That they would go out of their way to make sure that human, <laughs> their, the world that they were creating was humanly uh, hab- friendly. Yeah. Yeah. To, they could, well, because they were. They needed to enslave all the humans, right, to rebuild Cybertron. Mm. And so you need to have uh, leaders of the human slaves who are human-sized, supposedly. I don't know what you would do with human-sized slaves to build uh, the sort of structures that you need on Cybertron (laughs) for these giant uh, robotic beings, Mm. but... Yeah, that, that that whole part took me like two watches to figure out that they actually wanted the humans for slaves. I yeah, I, I was I was thinking they were gonna like convert them to Energon or something, but like I said, <laughs> after the Sentinel reveal, I, the the movie goes greatly downhill for me. So mm-hmm. I think the first third of the movie is actually pr- pretty cool, or however long it takes to get to the Sentinel stuff. Yeah, I I guess yeah, I guess maybe. Uh, uh, I'm good. Apparently, McDreamy's name in this was was Dylan. Apparently, I think McDreamy was just thinking, yeah, when in this new world he would have some sort of power and he would have some sort of like special treatment compared to just being mm-hmm. one of the one of the grunts trying to ship, I don't know, blocks to build. Uh, I don't know to build Sentinel Prime's extension on his new house or whatever. I think he was <laughs> trying to. Uh, he was like, I'm just going to be supervising that rather than doing any heavy lifting. So you know, I. I I, I guess that's uh, that's uh, that's an understandable motivation, but it's a little bit. I don't know. It seems a, you'd have to be pretty convinced the Decepticons were going to win to to think that was that was the right decision to make. I think. Um, man, the thing for me in this movie that lasted way too long was those those squirrel suits. You know the uh, like mm. you jump out. Or they, did they jump out of planes? Did they jump out of helicopters? Had those uh, suits with, with those things, dorky yeah. little webbing that connected their elbows to their knees, and it's like just that lasted so long. <laughs> it felt like that was just a setup for uh, like like a theme park ride. I mean, it does look like it's a fun thing to do. Yeah, I think Squirrel Suits just paid them a boatload of money to uh, have them in the movie. <laughs> so. <laughs> Well, I mean, I think this is something I've been meaning to because they have like money from the from the army to make these movies, don't they? Is oh, I don't yeah. know if they've got money or if the of the army just donates like vehicles for them or something, or let them film on military bases or whatever. So I think that's that's there's a lot of things in there which I think are just in there because the army wants mm-hmm. them to show how cool being in the army is. So people, you know, come out of the Transformers movie and go, oh, I'm gonna go gonna go be an army ranger <laughs> now. It's uh, gonna work with Optimus. But it's, uh, it's, uh, it's, uh, I think it is kind of, it, it, it's, it's got this double effect where it means that when the Autobots are working with the army, you can't have any sort of plot points that would make the army look bad, really. Because obviously, like you said, right. uh, they act like idiots, but you can't have like any, oh, are the army like on their side or are they acting in like a bit of, are they, you know, manipulating the Autobots in a bit of a sinister way? And like, so all the all the actual army characters kind of end up these kind of one dimensional sort of just you know very good dutiful people and it's yeah it's a shame I, I think it's um because I think I'm partly I'm, I became a Transformers fan through reading the More Than Meets the Eye comics my kind of version of Transformers is just a bunch of characters on a spaceship with no humans around really so whenever you get back to the mm-hmm. So the kind of what is obviously the classic setup of them on Earth in disguise. I'm always a bit like, eh, this isn't this isn't quite the part of it that I that I like so much. So yeah, I don't know. I feel like it's uh, it's it's something I've been meaning to mention that in the last couple. I think it's I think the army stuff, the army setup of them working with the army is just something I I just intrinsically don't find an interesting thing to do with them. Yeah, I'm hoping the next couple of movies. I I, I believe it kind of starts to change. Comes to guts to get away from that a little bit, so I'm excited. I'm looking forward to seeing what happens in those, but I might be I might be mistaken about that. Yeah, I mean the the first uh, the first Transformers movie, uh, they definitely wanted you to leave that one and go sign up to join the army. Mm. Uh, this <clears throat> one, it feels like they want you to leave and go sign up to be an astronaut. 
that's not quite as uh, applicable. I, I guess what you joined the Air Force in hopes of becoming an astronaut. Maybe it's that that's where the money was going. I don't know. Yeah, you know, I've 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 never, um, despite like a lot of children at one point deciding I was going to be an astronaut when I grew up. I never, I don't <laughs> actually know how you become an astronaut. I'm assuming, yeah, you don't just go on like LinkedIn or something and uh, put your CV <laughs> up and someone gets in touch with you. I'm assuming there's more to it than that, but yeah, I guess it must, must be through the air force. Like, yeah, you're just encouraging people to, to go down that route. I suppose that must be what they're doing. I mean, you, you gotta be an air force or some type of pilot. I would think like, Mm. I mean, I, I guess the army has pilots, you know, but I, I, you would probably have to have to be some type of pilot in whatever if whatever branch of the military that you were in, which I, I would assume would only be the Air Force or Army. Mm. Now you just have to have parents who started a a blood diamond mine, and you just like <laughs> <laughs> just yeah, just be be ri- ridiculously rich. Yeah, maybe uh, maybe. If, <laughs> This hypothetical person who we obviously couldn't guess who you're talking about, Jim, whose parents <laughs> owned a blood diamond mine is now going into space. Like, yeah, maybe he'll chip in some money and he'll show up in the next, like, yeah, join uh, join my company and you might get to meet a Transformer. Maybe that's what the plot of the next one's going to be. Uh, so early on, early on, we, you know, we all discussed that uh, none of us really remember how this movie ended. No, obviously Sentinel Prime, he's in league with the Decepticons. Uh, somehow, uh, in between the time of him being an Autobot and crash landing on the moon and being revived by the Autobots uh, and never having contact with any Decepticons, uh, somehow he uh, was converted to to the, to the idea that having Cybertronians survive was more important than. Uh, the Decepticon versus Autobot war. Well, hold on. I, mm. I thought he, he had told Optimus and the rest of the Autobots that he was going to go pick up or drop off this Energon supply, right? But he was actually going to meet with the the Decepticons. Um, so he, I, I'm assuming he had some type of contact with them to set okay. up the meeting place at, at least. But, um, but yeah, I mean, it, it was a little. I mean, <laughs> then they shot him down. Well, it's just the first thing he wakes up and it's the Autobot saving him. And then his very first thing is to blow an Autobot away. Like he couldn't have. All right. So you're saying I've been in, I've been on ice for a couple million years. Let me see how this plays out. Let me, what if, what if you guys won? <laughs> yeah. Let me, yeah. you know, I was doing the, the Decepticon thing. Cause I thought that was the only, I didn't see a winner or whatever his, his, you know, reasoning was, but let me feel this out first before I just start blasting on some of my oldest friends <clears throat> and, uh, continuing with my deception. Uh, so yeah, so Sentinel prime in league with Decepticons, it sets up these, uh, teleportation stones all around the world that somehow starts to, make Cybertron appear next to Earth. Uh, and then we have to, like, blow up a, a very specific stone to stop that. And a lot of people die. There's a lot of... Yeah. A lot of, a lot of, a lot of Decepticons get killed in this. Yeah. Like, because quite big names die as well. I mean, it's a bit hard. To, I think I've said in the past, it's a bit hard to tell sometimes which had given Decepticons meant to be, but I'm just looking back and it's like Starscream dies, Shockwave dies. I don't know. Did they, cause were they thinking this was going to be like the, at the end of like a trilogy and they were thinking, well, we can just end it however we like, we can kill everyone off or. I think they were 100% thinking this is an ending. And I mean, I, I don't think they were going to kill Optimus or Bumblebee, but I think pretty much everyone else could have, you know, mm. especially Decepticons. I, I don't think they were, they were trying to, Hey. Roll over any bad guys, except for baby yeah. Megatron. You mm. knock them off, uh, you can replace them with a slightly different model, you can sell some more toys, right? <laughs> and keep the wheels of commerce moving. Optimus Prime obviously takes out Sentinel Prime. Oh, that reminds me. Uh, what, the Matrix of Leadership, right? Yes. That's at play. And at one point, Optimus is like, hey, uh, Sentinel Prime... Would you like 
the most powerful weapon uh, known to Cybertronians. And he's like, nah, it's cool. You keep it. <laughs> yeah. But like, was, if, if you're trying to double cross me later, why wouldn't you take that? Yeah, I was I was trying to remember, like, would there be something like, do you have to be, is it like Thor's hammer? You have to be worthy to take the Matrix? <laughs> and like, if the Sentinel, if Sentinel Prime tried to take it, it would reveal <laughs> that he wasn't worthy and it would give away, I was trying to remember if there was some plot reason he wouldn't want it. Like, would it give away his scheme in some way? But That he was, he was unpure. Like, yeah. He, <laughs> <laughs> maybe, maybe. maybe. I mean that's certainly uh, that's that's prime matrix of leadership like move right there like reveal your your deception to the world. Yeah, maybe that's yes, yeah, so maybe that's it. Maybe you know that's 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 that was the logic behind it. But it felt a bit like yeah, surely you'd want that. And if if, if only just to, even if you can't use it yourself, just to, just to weaken Optimus a little bit, you'd think. But yeah, but, yeah. I mean, even if you just throw it out into space, at least yeah. you know. They don't have it anymore. Yeah, yeah. Like Optimus gives it. He's like, "Thank you, Optimus." And then Optimus is back to and he just like chucks it in a bin somewhere or something. Just <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> just Oops, like, I dropped it. <laughs> yeah, just casually, just chucks it over the edge of that of the of the cliff they were having their dramatic conversation on, and to uh, get on with your day. Ugh, man alive. Um. Oh, you know what? Shockwave, sound wave. Why do we have to have both of them in the same movie and have both of them uh, just kind of be silvery blobs that you can't really tell the difference? Um, other than the fact that one has, uh, the, you know, the, 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 the single eye, right? Mm. We got Soundwave is, is a car, right? I, I think so. Or, or was Shockwave the car? One of them's one of them's the car McDreamy gives to right gives to uh, uh, Sam's girlfriend. Was that that was Shockwave, right? I think Soundwave was the uh, Soundwave was the car, wasn't? It? No, I think Soundwave was the the satellite, or at least in the um, last movie, the Soundwave was a satellite that kind of like took right. over, or he was floating around. He took over a satellite, and that's how they kind of got their information. In the second movie. Mm. And we completely ignored that for this movie. And I think... I think Soundwave was the one riding the giant uh, sandworm. That's what we'll go with. Yeah. (laughs) (laughs) Shout out to June Party with the giant sandworm. You know, why can't we we keep Soundwave uh, being a boombox? (laughs) <laughs> I mean, he's he's awesome as a boombox. So why why do we got to change that? But I did think it was cool making him a satellite thing. Yeah, like that that makes sense. Like you used to be a, a basically a radio, and now you're just like a space radio. Yeah, that that pivot made sense. I mean, it on the space of it, it seems like a log- a bizarre statement to say. A satellite is the logical descendant of like a boombox, but it kind of is. It kind of makes sense that you would. Yeah, it's about yeah, as you say, it's about transmitting and sound and stuff. It does. Yeah, I I kind of I get that. That makes sense to me. But uh, I think he's yeah, he's just he just. I'm sure it's he's in this one as not a as neither a satellite nor a boombox. He's just gone to being something else, which is yeah, very underwhelming. And mm. underwhelming, a key phrase here. I think that's the problem with a lot of it. Like, I, I guess why they maybe thought the original designs were a bit cartoony because they they are literally cartoony. But yeah, it, it feels like you could have done a little bit more to distinguish them because other than like Bumblebee, Optimus, maybe you know Sentinel. Actually, to be fair, the rest of them just it's just one kind of. They all look very very similar, and it's a bit hard to tell who who is who in any given dramatic moment. I think that's the problem I've had with all. All three of them, and uh, I, you, you, I'm assuming I'm not the only. Maybe it's just me because they've obviously not felt it necessary to, to, to fix it. But uh, but uh, yeah, I just uh, I just struggled with it. Well, no, I mean this is time around. We had our uh, our Italian, our red Italian transformer. Mm-hmm. So we we had a distinctive uh, piece there where somebody was a different That's color. True. Yeah, it's and the colors had... that I think really really pop because like Ironhide and. 
and the the rest of them are just like either grays or blacks. They're they're just all kind of you know different color or just kind of different variations of really the same dark color. Whereas you know Optimus is red and blue and Bumblebee's you know yellow and then yeah I guess the Italian one was red but I didn't really remember him either so <laughs> so I guess that defeats my own argument. <laughs> Yeah, I think there was some. There's something to be said about. I, I wonder if there's like a thing where the animators wanted to animate the cool parts, so they were like, "Let's let's make all of the exposed roboticy doodads, and mm. let's make the actual panels of the vehicles that help you identify them uh, less visible." I don't know. Maybe that, but it definitely seemed like you know to Caleb's point. It seemed like half these uh, Autobots and Decepticons are just uh, kind of gray into black mm. uh, robots. They just kind of change shape so much that it's hard to hard to keep people apart unless you're yelling their name. <laughs> like uh, yeah, like again, like Pokemon, they should just yell their names as they go into battle. I can tell. <laughs> I can if, if you're a stupid person like me, you can tell who's who. Yeah, Ironhide, go. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, I do want to also give my, what I've done in all the episodes so far, we've covered this. I want to give my shout out to John Turturro again, who again is my favorite part of the movie. And <laughs> I don't quite get why he's, thus he's gone from being a secret agent to working in a deli to a successful novelist. I think he is in this one, <laughs> his autobiography. I don't know. If, I can't map his character journey at all, but uh, I'm just happy every time he shows up, and that tends to be my favorite part of the movie. And then it, they it, then it focuses back on uh, on Sam, and I get sad. But uh, yeah, good. I wanted to give my 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 regular shout out to John Turturro because he's my favorite part of these films. Yeah, not not just becoming a successful uh, author, but like a billionaire author. Yes, yeah. Off off of seemingly just selling one book about. Yeah. Uh, the Autobots. The Sector 7 didn't have any NDAs to sign when, when Totoro was coming <laughs> aboard. <laughs> like, he could just tell this this stuff, that the most secret agency ever, as far as two movies ago, and he's just blurting it out. But yeah, I, I love John Totoro. Um, he's, he's awesome in all of these movies. I don't, yeah, I mean, I don't know if you would, because like people write like books about like times they met aliens and things, and... Yeah. I don't know. I don't think they become bestsellers. I think they, you know, get bought by the niche audience that is interested in that. And then, um, you know, no one takes them seriously. But I, I don't know. I guess I guess in this case, there's been enough evidence of the Transformers that people would want to know what's going on and buy a book about it, I guess. Yeah, so I think it, yeah. in this world, the aliens have already been proven to be real. And yeah. he's supposedly worked with them, so... I think I would buy that book if aliens were proven to me to be real <laughs> yeah. and a guy was saying that he worked with them and, and everything. I, I might would check that book out. Yeah, yeah. I'd, I'd, I'd pick up the paperback at least. I'd, I'd definitely, yeah. you know, <laughs> might not buy the hardcover, but I'd swing by when it came out in paperback. Read some reviews. You know, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, it's a 10 page preview on Amazon. Flick through that, see if it's got any good stuff in there. And then... That's all I got, guys. Anyway, it's it's for such a long movie. There's not much to actually talk about, and it. it's just uh, generally, I thought it was all right. It was it was mm-hmm. fine. I I uh, I didn't hate it. It was good. Wow, it, it was good. We've got the final word from Neil. But is a strong word, maybe. But it was yeah. <laughs> okay, my 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 final thoughts. Um, I thought the plot, the overall plot, was better than um, Revenge of the Fallen, but. Um, these the I, I can't say this is better than than it. Uh, I don't think the execution landed, but I did think that just the plot of uh, an old you know leader of the Autobots coming back and then actually betraying them like that that's a better p- plot point for a movie than whatever Revenge of the Fallen was. Um, mm. But I, I, this was okay. This is probably the, the least of the three still. So it's just okay. Okay. Um, I'm, I'm going to, uh, back up Caleb's okay rating, but say that it is still better than, uh, Revenge of the Fallen. So for me, this was like Transformers, uh, one and a half, like mm. take, take what made the first movie successful, rehash a lot of that, 
uh, take just a little bit of what they were trying to do with the second movie with like alien civilizations and, uh, you know, um, backstory and those sorts of things and to sprinkle a little bit of that in, but not get too much. Um, and just kind of roll, r- wash, rinse and repeat. Mm. So I, I yeah. wonder, that's an inter- that's an interesting point, Jim. Uh, I wonder if, what what it would be like to just watch the first one and then skip Revenge of the Fallen and watch this. I wonder how much you would really be like, I'm missing something. Um, <laughs> I mean, the Matrix of Leadership uh, showed up in the second one. But other than that... Yeah, I guess that would be it. Yeah, I think you'd probably just assume that was something they found, maybe. I don't. Think yeah, they found... Yeah, it doesn't, doesn't actually yeah, matter how they got it. Yeah, I, I actually thought Optimus had it at the beginning... In the first one, when he was like, you can just put the cube into my chest. Uh, but I guess he was just talking about his own spark. Mm. So Yeah, that was the that was the all spark. The all spark, yeah. Which is different than the matrix of leadership in this. <laughs> there was a one point where he was like, in the first one, he was uh, they were asking what they were going to do with the with the cube. And he was like, if, if worse comes to worse, uh, merge it with my... But I guess he was just talking about like his chest, his spark, not the uh, matrix yeah. of leadership. Mm. So yeah, but I think they were they were trying to make some uh, allusions to the old uh, the classic Optimus Prime keeping keeping the Matrix of leadership in his chest. Yeah, yeah. All right. Anyways, yeah. So I would give it a I would probably give it two and a half out of a possible five moon pillars is what I would give it. <laughs> <laughs> but you know. I'm, it was all right. It was all right. I've had worse times at the movies. It was okay. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm i going to uh, rate this movie two, uh, two giant dogs that live in a small apartment uh, for no particular reason and are never really mentioned or cared for at all. Uh, two, two out of five. Two out of five. Two dogs out of five. Potential five dogs. Yes. I'm going to give this two primes out of i don't know how many primes but there was two primes in this film (laughs) (laughs) all right well uh gentlemen thanks for your time um as always i've enjoyed talking about this movie more than i enjoyed watching this movie absolutely absolutely it's been a pleasure till all are one till all are one it's not a one. Yeah.